welcome to Curiosal Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And this is episode 91. Nope. Nope. 92. 92. Come on. No, we're just, we're Seriously? flying. We're flying. We are moving to 100. Yeah, don't leave the countdown up to this guy because no, no. he will, he hey. will m- mess it up every single time. But it's time. all good. And here's the thing. Again, another awesome episode. I'm always looking forward to these. Yeah, I love our interviews. Our interviews are, are amazing because we get a different perspective, uh, especially for our listeners who probably get tired of hearing um, our stories over and over. And <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. We got to do we'll clarify. Where are we right now? Like, what is this behind us? Oh, we're in our secret underground bunker, so yes. we can't tell anybody where we are. The Pure Hustle Bunker. Yeah. So you know, when we have our conspiracy episode, we're going to go live from here. Yeah, we got it. We're, we're we're prepping in our bunker <laughs> for our. For our conspiracy, our inventory is ready to go. We have food inventory ready to go. Yeah, everything's ready. But with all that being said, I think we should get this started. Yeah, so we've got an awesome interview today. Um, Orlando, do you want to go ahead and introduce? Yeah, so I've run into this guy one time at eBay Open, but been following him from day one. And his story will be inspirational. He has a lot to share, and there's a lot that we don't know. So we're so glad to have him on. And as always, we want to have real relevant resellers, people yeah. that are making it happen, not just about the graphs, but actually taking action. So want to introduce his IG handle is Matt Klein Hustle. So Matt, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're about. What's up, guys? Yo. It's good to, uh, well, it's good to meet you, Mike. Uh, I missed you at eBay. Open I know. It was, it was a crazy event. It was fun, but man, that was busy. We were all over the place, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy event. Um, but to answer your question, Orlando, um, I'm just a reseller man. I I sell shoes for a living. Um, and it's it's kind of funny over the years. Uh, I've always said I'm a business owner. I sell shoes for a living. You know, I have a shoe store, da-da-da. My perspective has actually changed. Um, really? Now, if, if somebody asks, I just say, I graduated college not too long ago, and uh, I got a job working in a shoe store, and we sell predominantly online. And then the response is, oh, that's cool. There's no questions. So (laughs) is that why you changed? So what was the the response before that? A thousand, a thousand questions, man. How do you do it? You know, how many shoes do you sell? Where do you sell? Just, you know, and I just don't, I just don't like talking about myself and the whole conversation. I'd like to hear more from them, especially if I don't know them. Uh, No, I hear you. Yeah, Especially when like small chat, like, you know, you're at a, you're, you're checking out at a, a place and they're like, Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, work at a shoe exactly. store. Yeah. A lot, lot less exactly. questions than, than I'm a business <laughs> oh, owner. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, and exactly. that also, that says something about you too. Cause I feel like, um, you know, in, in our community, there is, there's two sides of it. Like one side, I feel like people, um, they struggle with trying to find the right way to say that, Hey, I'm, I'm a business owner. Like what I do yeah. is legitimate. Um, but then at the same time, there's also the other end where people can be uh, a little too proud and say, you know, they think too highly of yeah. themselves where that, that shows some humility to not be willing to say like, or, or to brag about how successful you actually are. Yeah. I, I think in life, I mean, the rug can get pulled out from under you really fast. So you, you just got to be humble in general. It can all just go go away just like that. It's so true. It's kind of scary, <laughs> but it's true. So, Hey, so tell us a little bit. I mean, we, there's so much we want to know because, you know, Instagram gives you highlights, but Instagram doesn't tell the whole story. So give us mm-hmm. as far back as you want to go from, you know, how things were or, or what got you to resell, you know, how are things different? Just, just give us the whole thing if you want, as much as you want. All right, man, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right I after just, you I grew said up- you don't want to tell the whole story, give us the whole story. Well, I guess to understand the background and everything, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
I think people do need to know and some people can relate and some can't, you know, but for the ones that can, uh, I think it's just very valuable. Um, I grew up just, everybody kind of has a story. Some people have a really tough story. I'd like to think mine's not the toughest, but um, it's, it's still pretty tough. Um, just grew up with a single mom, man. Um, with, I had a sister, I have a sister as well. So she had two kids and just worked 60 hours a week. Um, we got in this really weird circumstance where, uh, my grandmother was actually dying and, uh, we had to move from Florida to Ohio in 24 hours. So we just, we packed up all our stuff. This is about, you know, first grade, second grade and, um, boom, we moved to Ohio. So, but the catch was, the catch was we were going to go there because the doctor said she had a 15% chance of living. So my mom was expecting her to die, you know, and she had to spend the last moments with her Well, she lived and it was, it was emergency open heart surgery. So she ended up living, man. She was such a fighter and uh, she was just very, just a tough woman, man. Um, she died, I think six years later. Um, but we got to spend a lot of time with her and frankly, we just never left. Um, so we didn't have a lot of money, you know, we just, we were just passing through if you, if you were, but, um, so yeah, it just kind of hit us and mom had to get a job and naturally we were just kind of homeless. Um, my dad never paid the child support consistently. So, uh, we would be on food stamps and then off food stamps and then back on and, depending on if he paid it or not. So it was just kind of hard when you're, uh, depending on a variable that is there and isn't. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, we had nowhere else to go. Uh, my mom got us on a waiting list, uh, for a homeless shelter. Um, and we got in and we put about eight months in, um, it was a Christian based, um, shelter and it was just really interesting, man, as a kid, um, just thinking back to it, it wasn't like, I guess as a kid, you don't see things for, you know, what it actually is. Mm. Um, but I do remember that I just did not like the people in it. Uh, I felt just a lot of corruption, man. I felt a lot of addictions and problems and, um, I just felt like I didn't belong there. So, um, yeah, it's just very interesting. Um, we got out and we were, we got a, um, it's public housing. So we got a house and, uh, I thought all my problems would go away, you know, once we got a house and it was a nice place, frankly. Um, but I just more followed, man. My mom had to work and she got her van repoed. And I mean, this, the list goes on and on, but it's kind of funny how um, I can look back and start to connect all the dots in my life. Um, thrift stores. We shopped at thrift stores um, all the way up until shoot, I think my last year in high school or, or even to this day, I mean, all my stuff is from thrift stores and mm -hmm. some people don't realize, you know, the good gyms you can find. Um, you guys do. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, I found sports. Um, I kind of put all my anger and frustrations into that and, um, just kind of made it, man. Um, went to college and I played football, uh, and I ended up tearing my shoulder my senior year in high school got surgery. And then when I went to college, I tore it again. So I was like, you know what, it's time to hang it up. And, uh, I think in general, man, you gotta, you gotta find that point where it's like, okay, I gotta do something different. You know, whether it's reselling, you're reselling polos and the market's not there anymore. It's time to change. So I hung up the cleats, uh, transferred back and 
um, started going to college. But what I realized was um, me and the guy next to me in class, like we're both studying for different reasons. Um, he's studying because his mom wants him to go to college and his mom and dad or whatever, they're paying for it. I wasn't that way. So I realized that the only way for me to truly make it out of public housing was to get, was going to be get a degree um, and then, you know, get a nice job and I'll just never have to worry about that again. So it's interesting how, you know, I didn't get a job and I just kept doing my own thing. It's, it's crazy, man. Just to look back and like I said, just connect all the dots. It's, it's been nuts, man. So let's, let's rewind that a little bit. So anytime while you were at thrift stores, you know, back in the day, that was just for you guys to get clothing, whatever you needed at any time. Were you thinking about reselling? Did you know about it? So I didn't connect that dot yet, but, um, I found like a really nice Under Armour polo and it was a two X and I'm like, man, this is really nice. Like, I really wish it was my size. I'm like, somebody would buy this or somebody could use this. I just didn't know how to do it. Okay. How old were you when that happened? Um, 17, you know, 18, um, just around that time. And, uh, that's when it really hit me like, wow, I could, I could probably sell this. I just don't know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craigslist was still around and predominant. Um, it's crazy how that's not the case anymore. Yeah. It's still there, uh, though. <laughs> or it's there, but I think Facebook Marketplace has kind of taken the crown away. Yeah, um, it, sure. Craigslist isn't dead yet, but it's definitely not what it used to be. Right. You know? yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I was just always trying to. I was always trying to make money and. I think the most interesting story about high school is the Gatorade story. Have I told you that? No. I, I mean, I haven't heard this it. Is, Please, let's hear it. <laughs> but I wonder where this is going to go. So, you know. So, so uh, Michelle Obama took away like healthy or uh, took away like the bad foods uh-huh. uh, in the school cafeteria my senior year. So it's like 2012. And um, before they had like Gatorades and ice cream and slushies and candy and anything you want that you could buy. You know, um, so she took it all away. And my thing was, I just wanted a Gatorade to drink on a Thursday or a Friday before the game. So the crazy thing was, um, I was at the store and I found 10 bucks on the ground and I was like, let me just buy some Gatorades. Nice. I had the money to buy Gatorades, but I was just like, oh, 10 bucks free Gatorade. ROI. So I brought it to, so I, ROI, there you go. <laughs> So I brought it to school and uh, I had no intent on reselling it, to be honest. But like five people were like, hey, can I have one? I'm like, no. They're like, can I buy one? I'm like, yeah. So I just sold them for a dollar. And then it's like a total like reinvesting story. It's it's like what I do in my business now. Little did I know what I learned doing Gatorades would carry on. But the catch is, the catch is I sold 1,700 Gatorades in about three months. Wow. It was a it was a big operation. Man. Yeah, <laughs> never you're thought Gatorade, of it. man, for sure. <laughs> you you're the supplier. Now, so how are you carrying those around? Like, would you just like load them up in your backpack or you like <laughs> ha- have a wagon? Like, well, how, how do you move that much Gatorade? So, in my locker I had like this little cooler. So, well, customers were complaining <laughs> oh my that, goodness. that it wasn't cold and I'm like, okay, you know. This so is great. I had this little uh little cooler and stuck them in there and then I had this over the strap like carrying and it could fit six Gatorades. So I'd have to like restock. And, but looking back on it now, man, I learned a lot about just customer satisfaction and just little stuff, little nuggets that you could take from it. Um, 
but I actually got in trouble. And yeah. you'll like this, Orlando, because you were a principal, right? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yes. I, I so love how you position that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the principal comes up to me and says, Matt, are you selling Gatorades? And this is in the lunchroom. I'm like, I lied, to be honest. I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm not. He goes, let me ask you again, Mr. Klein, are you selling Gatorades? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, look, I love your entrepreneurial spirit, but I don't want to see it again. You got me. And he kind of like winked in. I'm like, wink, wink. Oh, oh I'm like, okay. You, yeah. You won't see anything again. And from there it got really sketchy. And, you know, I had to like start doing like these hidden deals and uh, we're talking about Gatorade. Yeah. No. Yeah. I like the image of like you kids crowding around you in like the, the corner of a building and you're like <laughs> dishing them out, looking yeah, to make sure that nobody's 305 over in this yes. room. Yeah. No, that's bring great. cash only. Make sure no one's following you. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> But the rule, the rule is, um, you know, the lunchroom is supposed to make money and yeah. you can't be a competitor. And I, I get it. But um, and the crazy thing was I just reinvested. So I never spent a dollar wow. from what I earned with Gatorades. And I mean, I had like, you know, I sold a thousand and I had a thousand bucks. Yeah, and I'm wow. like, I should just go buy an iPhone with this yeah. or whatever. That was back when the iPhone four was around, by the way. <laughs> yes. But uh <laughs> which goes to show like, yeah. like you're probably glad you didn't. But you know, that says something too. I mean, yeah. just thinking about your background, cause cause when you come from a place like that where you don't have a lot and you're 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 struggling to to make ends meet, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of cash in your hand, and the fact that you don't blow it, right? Yeah. Step one is that you were willing to go out and work really hard for it, and then two, you have it, and then you didn't just see like short term. And I think that's something that that a lot of young people and just people in general is this idea of like delayed gratification, like waiting a little bit longer yes. to get something better. Like, is that something you've always had or like what made you not spend that money? Um, I really don't know, man. I, I don't really need anything. Uh, I always just live below my means and still do to this day. Um, I don't know. I just, I just didn't need anything. So I wanted to see how many Gatorades I could really sell. And the only reason I stopped is, I told you I had shoulder surgery, so I could no longer carry the thing around. Wow. So, all right. But, so let's yeah. fast forward a little bit. Let's get to: was it thrift stores that got a hold of you? Was it a garage sale? Was it you going to a Nike store? Because we're going to talk about this a little bit, but you primarily sell Nike shoes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, but I've been selling for six years now. So six years. Okay. Um, well, to answer your question, it was actually an estate sale. Oh, really? Okay. And at the at the time, I went with my girlfriend's dad. And okay. we were, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, the house was open. And then there's like a, like a closet or it was like a second room in the garage. And there was all this stuff. And like, we moved the stuff and we went into the, this little room. And of course, we asked if we could. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know what's in there, but, uh, you know, go ahead. Oh, it was crazy. It was, it was weird though, because you're learning about what this person did, like with their whole life and like everything else, uh, whoever it was, was like a, was like a leader in the army and he had all these medals and coats and there was probably a lot of money in there, but I found this, uh, stopwatch, which was really cool. Well, two, one was a stopwatch and one was like uh, a pocket watch. Um, so I found those and, uh, my girlfriend's dad bought them and, uh, he took it home and he opened the back of it and there was gold gears in it. Whoa. So it ended up selling for like four seventy five or wow. something. Uh, and this was and on the e other one on sold eBay? for he did it on eBay. Okay. Uh, okay. I was just there. I just found it, right? <laughs> okay. Um, but he said, uh, 
hey, thanks. He said, thanks for finding them. And it was like one of those handshake kind of things. And I just put it in my pocket because I was leaving. And I got home and I counted it and it was 300 bucks. Wow. Nice. And I was like, holy crap. Um, so that's where I think it kind of, I don't know, just finding finding gems. And that's what I like about you guys, man. Especially Orlando posted all the time. All the gems you find at garage sales. I love it. And that's why I love your content so much. Thanks. It's so that. cool. Well, I love watching yours. And here's the thing. So you started, did you just, what, uh, what I want to know is how did you go from, it seems like you started, I was look, tracking your Instagram story, a little soccerish, but you know, I wanted to get a little more background on you. <laughs> we'll call it research. We'll yeah. call it research. Yeah, that's research. We'll that's, it. Okay. that's cool. That's there cool. You go. <laughs> but you know, it, it seems like you did a few thrift stores and then there's like this jump to Nike outlets and stuff like that. So what, what what did it do? Was it were you doing like side hustle while you were going to school, and then as you had less school, you ended up picking up more? Like what happened? Great question. Um, the honest answer is so I transferred back from the school I was playing football at, and I transferred back home, okay. uh, and we have a big Division One school next to us. Uh, so I went there, and after the first semester, they called a counselor called me in, and said, Mister Klein, uh, you know we need you to get your grades up. And I said, okay. Yeah. I said, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I'll work on it and I get up to leave. And she says, no, I, I need you to sign on this line right here that you're, you're going to get your grades up or you're kicked out of here. Wow. I had a 1.4 GPA. I, I'm sorry to tell you, but I've been there. That was my freshman year. Yes. So oh, wow. anyways, we'll share another time. I ended up with 4.0 is my last two years, but yes, wow. I've been there. So, yeah, I mean, you can turn it around. I think from my problem, though, was um, I don't party or anything. I wasn't out like, you know, partying it up. I had two jobs. I was working um, McDonald's in the stock room. So I was organizing all their inventory. And then I started ordering the trucks. So it was kind of cool. Um, and then I started working at um, like a steakhouse. I was trying to be a server to make the real money. Um, and I realized I'm like, man. I said, I'm working too much and I'm not focusing enough on school. So I quit McDonald's and um, I started working at the steakhouse. And like I said, I was trying to be a server. After a year, the boss said she couldn't fill my shoes um, to promote me up. Mm. So I said, okay. I started going to thrift stores and I was buying like um, just athletic stuff, like anything I would wear, um, like polos and Under Armour polos and stuff like that. And it got to a point where I started making more money during my shifts from eBay and hearing the cha-chings and stuff. And it yeah. was like, it's, it's time to leave. If you're not going to promote me, then yeah. I'm going to leave. So, so did you buy a lot I, of junk when you first started? Like, were you doing research? Like how do you, <laughs> how do you figure out what to source? So it's, it is crazy. Cause now the resellers are spoiled rotten because uh, <laughs> you can just, you just tell them the whole process, right? Like mm -hmm. I never, I had to learn eBay on my own and uh, I had a little help from my girlfriend's dad, um, but I was no longer with her. So it was a little divide. Right. But um, I had to just figure it out and looking up the comps and everything else. And yeah, I bought a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> I bought a lot of terrible, like used shoes. Some of the, some of the, the shoes that I bought, I'm like, I, I probably still have some today. It's just like, why on earth did you buy that? Yeah, yeah, it happens to everybody. Yeah. So you went thrift stores, and then what got you into the retail arbitrage? What? What? How? How did that end up happening? So, um, 
that's that's also interesting too. So I was at the store that shall not be named. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know you got to listen to the podcast. There you go. <laughs> so I was at the store and I found uh, I, I had a buddy with me. So I found 280 pairs of Adidas soccer cleats. Whoa, whoa. And they retail they retail for like 12 bucks. Um, but they were a dollar. Nice. So I'm like, ah, I can sell the I can make a dollar, you know, I can yeah. spend a dollar and make a dollar. Um, so I bought them all. And my buddy that I was with thought I was completely crazy. <laughs> um, but I called my uncle. Uh, I got a successful uh, entrepreneur uncle mm-hmm. and uh, I called him I'm like I'm like, hey, man, you know, like, I just found all these socks. Like, I'm going to sell them, you know, da, da, da. And he said, socks? He's like, man, you're going to have to do something more than socks. So they're not cleats, they're socks. No, it was just socks. Oh, just socks. So okay, that's, I just want to make sure. Okay. That's when I, I stumbled on. They weren't selling that fast on eBay. And it was actually the retargeted ad that Amazon uses. And I saw the pair of my socks on Amazon for like double the price. And I'm like, what? Oh man! I go. I need to. I need to try to sell these on Amazon. So again, I call. Like I figured it out. I call a lot of hours on support, um, and I remember doing my first FBA shipment. And wait, I did, wait, let's. I, I want to rewind you, Matt, real quick. So you're saying ahead. you didn't go to YouTube and watch like YouTubers do Amazon FBA because there wasn't that much FBA content six years ago. I don't think so. No, no there yeah, really. I don't. There think was so. maybe. I remember Gil Daddy, and I remember some other old school people, but there really wasn't much. So, so you're saying you called Amazon and they walked you through the process of how to do the shipment. Yes. And wow. I don't think now you have to like go into the, like the forms and then like request a call and all this stuff. This was, I mean, it, I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but this was back when you could just call in to seller support huh. and, and so they could you, walk you through anything. Wow. And so you sent in the socks to FBA Yes. And then all of a sudden, man, I got this email that said I sold 10 of them. And I'm like, what? The first day? Like, what? So sure enough, man, I sold all those socks and I went down to Florida and I wanted to take my uh, my cousin on a fishing charter. And I invited my uncle and uh, I said, don't worry about paying for it. The socks are paying for it. Nice. (laughs) Nice. You said you're going to need more than socks. And you're like, no, 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 I I got this. No, let me. Yeah. So it was, but uh, that's how I got into FBA. And then, I mean, nobody wants to hear the story, but I was, I was grandfathered in before they had the, you know, uh, the shoe gate and everything else. Mm. So I already requested to, for these brands and uh, just got in. Mm. So, so you've been pretty much ungated from day one. Like it's very rare to be gated on yeah. something. But okay. I, I think I just I think listening to your story, though, like one thing, because there are going to be you know people listening to this that are going to you know that's going to rub them wrong. Cause it's like, Oh, that's not fair. But just listening to your story, like nothing came easy to you. None of this was just like no. fell into your lap. This was, you had to work and hustle and hustle. And it wasn't just like the right doors opened up. Like you were, you were kicking yeah. down doors and you made this happen. Yes. So, you know, and, and so maybe, maybe those doors are closed for other people, but there's something, right. There's something that other people can do. They just got to be willing to go out there and call and, and figure it out. Yes. They just got to keep working hard. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So I want to, I want to jump forward even more. So the very first picture I saw of you, I didn't know if you were a guru or if you were legit. And so, <laughs> because the very first picture was, it was Fair back enough. in, no, no, you know, because, so when Mike and I started Pierce so Podcast, you should show it in the, yeah. Okay. So I wonder, I don't know how clear it'll, it'll, it'll show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
So this was the picture, <laughs> right? Yes. You and all the shoes, yeah, right? Last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. So that's when we started Pierce a podcast. So I see this uh, guy and I'm like, okay, so is he flexing or is, is he legit, right? <laughs> so I'm just being real with you. And so those of you listening yeah, to the yeah. podcast to get an understanding. So Matt is sitting in a room and it is entirely full of Nike orange boxes. And he's just sitting there. And I think he has an inspirational quote in there. Focus on my own plate. And uh, I thought it was great. And and so I looked at this and I that's what got me to start following you. Because I'm like, who is this mm. guy? Like I, you know, because we were new to Instagram, right? We didn't know oh, okay. that like people, you know, when I thought of Instagram, I thought of like people traveling and Instagram models and all that. I didn't know that there was this whole reselling community that right. you know, when they have these right. huge halls, you put them on Insta, right? Even Mike and I were like, do we put this on Instagram? <laughs> like it was kind of weird, <laughs> right? Right. So, so talk That's to funny. us what, and then I saw an Instagram story where you had boxes all throughout your house. And I think your mom was a little annoyed with all the boxes in your house. <laughs> so tell me, how'd you get to that place? So, uh, I, so I, so I experimented with the socks, right? Okay. I'm like, wow, this is, this is kind of crazy. And then I think the second thing I bought was uh, Elmer glue sticks that were on Clarence. Nice. They all sold the minute they were in there. And I was wow. just like, wow, this is a kind of a crazy system. Um, so I experimented with the Nike and I bought 60 pairs and I think I still have the picture up on my Instagram. Um, I thought that was a lot. And I was like, you know, you're kind of like when you first start, you're like really proud of what you do. You're like super, like you post about it. You know, you're like, maybe you're maybe sense of bragging, but it's like, I did this right. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, uh, I posted a picture on my LinkedIn today. I I didn't hit IG with it, but, um, it's a picture of like all shoes across the whole wall. And, and I said that you can't take a picture with 3000 pairs of shoes. Like you just can't take one picture. And I said, I used to laugh I look back now and I laugh because it's like you take a picture of your inventory when you start. And I do encourage people to do that. I think it's a good thing because it shows over time you your personal self can look back at it. Um, but to, to answer your question, I guess, is um, I experimented with 60 pairs and um, I remember it was like two thousand bucks and you're really nervous. You're like, man, like it was all the money I had at the time. I'm like and it just worked. So the next time it was 150 and then it was 300. And then, and then I think I posted a video on YouTube. We did a thousand pairs in a weekend. Um, just, I just built, and it was the same thing with the Gatorades, man. Like I just reinvested back into it. Um, and I've been reinvesting for six years and it's been, that's why our inventory is so big right now. Yeah, That's crazy. So at what point during this, are you, are you still going to college at this point? Had you already, graduated college if you not started college like where where is that at this point so i'm still in college and now i'm getting turned down by all these scholarships because my gpa i'm coming back from a 1.4 so yeah. to you know like you get a 3.0 the next semester well it just averages out yeah so um a lot of people didn't want to take a chance on me in certain programs and scholarships and um just stuff like that and I think um, I'm doing this and I'm like, man, am I doing the right thing? Like, like I'm making money and like school, I'm just not maybe as good as I could be kind of thing. Um, it, the program that I applied for 
they said my GPA was too low. I interviewed for it and I just kind of just told them my backstory, man. I just thought maybe I talked a little bit too much. Um, but the next year they came back and they accepted me into the program and they said, Matt, we hated to turn you away last year because on your resume, you've done way more than anyone else that we interviewed, but we couldn't wow. take you because of your GPA. Oh, so. so I think uh, as resellers in general, you got to think about how you're building a resume. Um, I didn't self-proclaim myself as an entrepreneur or boss. Like my goal was just to work for somebody. Um, business just got so big. I'm like, you know what? I'll just do this. And the degree is just my fallback plan. Um, and you paid for your college, right? Through your reselling. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. At least half of it. That's um, awesome. And that's, that's the thing for these resellers. It's like, if you're living at home, and you have no bills, you have no excuse why you're not successful. You can reinvest all your money into inventory. If it doesn't sell, you'll still be okay because you got no bills. So I don't know. Just looking back at that time, I took advantage of it and yeah. I just made the most of it. Yeah, that, I think that's a really so. important point because, you know, sometimes people are starting and and they're at a place where they've got a lot of responsibilities and so they have to ease into reselling. Uh, but then there's also people who are, you know, they have the opportunity, they have the room to make those mistakes, to go big and to, yep. to, you know, not have to worry about it so much. But the problem is a yeah. lot of times people at that point, that's when they are blowing their money. That's when they're not really, really because yeah, they don't have that sense of urgency. So again, the fact that you're doing that is, is huge. I mean, even the fact that you kept going to college, so what made you decide, um, to continue with college. I mean, do you see yourself as a reseller from here on out or is this still like maybe good question? Um, well, my mom always said, you know, you can't start something and not finish. Um, and I kind of felt like in football, maybe I didn't finish it, but, um, in life you just, you know, you have to make choices and decisions. And at the end of the day, you have to make the best one for you. Um, but I felt like, Hey, I've already got two years of college debt. Why would I walk away? Um, I might as well just finish. Um, so I didn't want to, I just didn't want to quit. Um, I hated school. Um, couldn't stand it. You know, I'm an ADHD kid and, um, I'm dyslexic too. So it's like, I had everything working against me, but, um, when I got into my upper level classes though, I really did enjoy, um, I really enjoy learning. Um, and I think I don't like school, but I really do like learning. Um, and that's what I'm a, I promote higher education. So if you do it right, it can be worth it. But All right, so let me ask a question. So, you know, because this is something we have a lot of younger listeners coming over and listening to our podcast. Mm -hmm. And we have others that have finished college and then we have a lot that didn't. And, you know, there's you know, you've been on Instagram, right? There's there's one side that's yep. like forget school. Like we want nothing to do with college. It's yes. all a scam. Then there's yep. then there's a very small <laughs> minority that says you should go to college. Right. And. And there's some that goes that say, you know, I, I'm not using my degree, but it was still worth it to me. And it sounds yes, you're saying that it was still worth it, even though you're not using your degree. So I don't know. I'm putting yes. you on the spot a little but I'm interested. What would you say were some of the takeaways that made you say, hey, you know, it was still worth it getting that degree? I think um, I don't want to sound like um, arrogant or something coming off. You know, I don't think I'm smarter than everybody else, but I think in college, like you add four or five more years of education and it's just a difference, man. Your brain moves faster. And, 
um, you, I don't know. It's really hard to explain, but um, I feel like I'm, I have a higher intelligence level just based on five more years. Um, I think differently. Um, Some of the classes were like uh, my favorite was supply chain management uh, and process improvement. So I really learned a lot about my business when we're looking at um, how to speed up the process. And it's just like, it's almost like business is like a big equation, like profit. Um, It's all a big equation. And how can we get more profit with less time? So just like little things, man. Um, I learned a lot in the marketing classes, upper level. Uh, I feel like I didn't learn anything for the first two years. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, the general ed, that's where they get their money, man. That's, that's a scam for sure. But, um, (laughs) just, yeah, I don't know. Just, um, I think five years of more education, I feel like they should do a study on it. No, and there, like, there are. I mean, it's one of those things like I have, and Mike and I both have. Mike is using his degree. I kind of use my degree right now, but a lot of the things about you know starting something and finishing is a big deal because because yeah. college is tough. It's it's not easy, especially when you get yeah. to your junior senior level. And then on top of that, I think understanding how to function in a class, how to make things happen, understanding professors, understanding you know yes. skills. I think all those very valuable things. And I, I think they walk over into the reselling world because reselling is all about understanding systems, understanding how to network yes. with people, starting something, seeing it to the end. And I don't think you need college to be a reseller. We know that because there's people that are killing yeah. it out there that, you know, they didn't even finish high school and they're doing far better than I'm doing and Mike they're doing. So, and you know, right. it's still doable. So with all that said, I, I want to get back to, okay, so now you you figure out the Nike game, you're you're Amazon guy. So what about eBay? Where where was eBay in this equation? Um so eBay was eBay is always the bread and butter, man. It's always like okay. the uh the OG. Like um <laughs> the OG. you know, you always you always go back. You know, you always go back to eBay. Um now I'll tell you that uh, I actually don't do FBA. Oh really? Believe really? Or not, since July. Um I plan on getting back in maybe 2000, like maybe in a couple months, um, had a problem, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, here's, here's a good topic for you. I'm like, okay, so if we take Amazon away and this is what people have DM'd me about too, it's like, well, you're just an Amazon seller. Well, if I had Amazon, I would be crushing da, 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 da. So we took Amazon away and I'm like, can we survive without Amazon? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Um, yeah, um, we, this year we, we started selling more on goat and stock X and, uh, even Macari, um, Poshmark, um, eBay has been really good this year as well. Our eBay numbers are up. Um, we can, you can survive without Amazon. Amazon's not everything. And I think that's what people need to understand. Um, it's nice. It's nice. It's a luxury, but yeah. so are you saying, uh, so that's encouraging to me because I, I don't do FBA. Um, I do just Amazon. Mm-hmm. I do Poshmark, some other... You mean just eBay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I just do eBay. I don't do Amazon. <laughs> um, so are you primarily still just selling shoes on eBay or are you doing kind of the one-off? Like, are you still like a thrift hunter or are you retail arbitrage all the way? So I'm mostly retail arbitrage. I haven't been to uh, the store that shall not be named and probably seven months, maybe eight. Um, but that's different for me. Um, I noticed, 
uh, four years of selling used clothes, I started seeing a decline. And I think Orlando's talked about this before. It's like, when I first started, I was making about 10 bucks per item and I was buying it for $4. Well, you know, two years later, shipping rises substantially and the thrift stores raise their prices. Now I'm paying more and I'm getting less of a price. People are buying it for less than they used to. Mm. So I had to make the decision. Um, do we need to exit this market? <laughs> and uh, this is that's what we've done. That's what I've done this year is I've slowly tried to exit the market. I still have probably 900 listings um, for used clothes though. Okay. So we still have quite a bit. So when you say we, do you have a, do you operate as a team? Do you have employees? Break that down for us a little bit. Sorry. So I always say we, just because I feel like uh, the business is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of helpers and my girlfriend actually wait, wait, went I want to stop a little bit. Um, he said helpers. Monday. He said helpers. Oh. I'm just, I wanted to clarify because Mike gives me a hard time because I always say helpers. I know Every, everybody in the industry calls them helpers. And and I get that's, that's industry lingo. I, I just got to get on board with it. But man, like to me, I, it's just such a weird word. Like I don't know of any other industry that call them helpers. You know, it's like it an, an assistant, an aide, an employee, but a helper. Like, but I get it. That's what people call them. I get it. Tech technical terms is a ten ninety nine. Got it. Employee. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. So to, uh, I was sorry. trying I to relate to, to Orlando. <laughs> there you go. All right. So didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Okay. Rewind. When you say we, you say the big business is bigger than you, but you do have two helpers. Okay. So talk to us yep. as much as you want about your operation. How does that function? Do they source for you? Do they list for you? What do you do? What does your girlfriend do? How does it all work? So uh, recently, very recently, uh, my girlfriend's in her master's program. Uh, Her mom works for the college, so she gets 85% off. Nice. So I'm like, you're going. (laughs) I'm really trying to push her to go. Um, If I had 85% off, I would go back to. But long story short, uh, she was working for a a business and... uh, She's like, she has to do her student teaching. So she wants to be an intervention specialist. Okay. So, so she has to do student teaching for like, what, three months mm-hmm. and you're not paid for it. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have to leave her job soon anyways. So I'm like, if you want to come work for me, that's fine. So I know that sounds terrible, but um, yeah, no, she took it and um, she thought she would be happier working for me um, and she could do better in school because she could if she wants to just take off and do schoolwork for a day, like that's cool. So she's very smart. Uh, she knows how to list. Um, I don't let anybody buy product for me. I haven't got, I haven't got on that level yet. Um, and then I have another friend that lists as well for me. Um, but we all just list together. Um, I started buying iPhone sixes, um, and they're called listing phones. So, um, so you don't have to kill like your own battery. Right. Um, but basically, yeah. Sourcing trips. Um, Nike only lets you buy 10 of one style of shoe. So if I have two or three people with me, we can get 30 or 20, 20 or 30. Um, so yeah, that's, that's about it, but speeds up listing for sure. Now talking about shoes and, and maybe I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here on this, but I, uh, I'm, not a sneakerhead. Like I don't know anything about shoes. Now I've always been interested though. It seems like a market that's, that's very, um, is very profitable. It seems like there's a lot of, of room there, but at the same time, I know there's a lot of competition. What advice would you give to somebody yeah. who's not currently selling shoes 
and is thinking about it, like wh- where do they start? Because if, if you're not, if you didn't grow up with shoes and, and knowing those things, like it seems a little overwhelming. It is. I think you're right. hundred percent. It is very overwhelming. I think the market makes it look easy and everybody thinks they can just jump in. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's competitive and I think it's hard. And also the, just the price to enter is higher than just going to the thrift store and buying something, you know? Um, so my advice is start buying what you like, um, start buying what you wear and, um, start with the Marshalls and just really anywhere you find a deal. Um, you don't always have to go to the outlet to find a deal. Um, but start with what you like. There's more people like you out there. And that's what I always tell people. Um, I like Nike stuff. Why don't, why don't I sell Adidas or Under Armour? I don't like Under Armour. I don't like Adidas. Um, Under Armour's not bad, but just like Nike, man, I like what I sell. So I don't know. That's good advice. Now the margins are different though, right? I already yes. with Nike, you know, cause you know, people, you know, I always talk about this. People show their bar graphs, but my bar graph might be different than somebody else's and somebody else's is yeah. different because the margins are different. So what, what margins yes. are you technically looking for? So I'm looking for at least 30%. Okay. Um, some, what I call home run hitters, some are home run hitters. Um, some sit slower, but if I'm going to make 50 bucks on something and I sell two every month, I'm fine with that. My game is completely different than it. I think completely than completely different than anyone else's. Um, I'm more, so I'm full time, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's different. So you'll have resellers that they want to make 10 bucks on a pair of shoes. Uh, I want to make 15. I don't want to make less than $15 on a pair of shoes. Mm. Um, I'll wait. I'm like, probably, I would say I'm probably the king of waiting. Like nice. if I can buy a shoe and I can sell it in the next four months, I'm buying it. Um, And like I said before, like margin wise, if you have somebody that's part time and they find a shoe and they want to make a quick 10 bucks, they'll list it and they'll sell it. Market will flood. I'm the guy that will wait it out. Um, We have enough inventory and the business, the cash flow just keeps rolling. I'm not afraid to sit on something. You know, if there was, I'm trying to think, if there was football cleats right now, and they marked them down. I would buy them to give you an example. They won't sell till August, but I'll buy them right now. If they're low enough. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Now, now this question again is coming from someone who doesn't know like shoes very well, but I've always kind of assumed that shoes were very like, I don't want to say seasonal because that's not right, but but models only are popular for a little while. So the 2019 yeah. whatever type of shoe. Now, a year, two years, three years down the road, are those kind of not worth as much or do they become worth more because they're not in production anymore? Like, how does that work? I think they lose a little bit of value, but what you'll find more often than not is somebody that says, uh, for example, the you guys might not know, but you might be uh, Nike Flyknit 2017s. Uh, I really liked that model. I don't like the 18s and I don't like the 19s. Mm. So if I was to buy that shoe again, it would be the 2017. So you're right. You don't get retail on it, but a lot of times, you know, supply is low and demand's not necessarily super high. 
but there's enough demand that you'll sell it for a pretty good price. And a lot of times the stores are trying to move it because it's so old that they just, just get rid of it. Like take it all. Um, so we'll run into that quite a, quite a bit, honestly. So do you, are you saying that sourcing is not an issue for you? Like you always have the ability because retail arbitrage, I, I think about it and I would say, yeah, there's always stuff out there, but it's hard to find the profitable stuff, right? RA, because it, it seems that mm. Nike, like the competition is really fierce. Like, because it's to me, it's like the cool thing. It's the, you know, yeah, it is. I, I'm like, you know, I'm, cool I'm on Instagram and, and I sell Nike. Like, that's, you're automatically like legit, right? So, yeah. So a yeah. lot of people, no, you're right. Because I get DMs all the time. Like, you're so lucky you're ungated in Nike. You know, that's so mm. awesome. And I tell people, I'm like, I don't know if lucky. I mean, I'm I'm thankful and I'm grateful, but yeah. man, the competition's intense. And so talk to me yeah. about inventory. Is there ever an issue with inventory or is there still plenty out there? So uh, I think just my model, if you're buying so much um, and storing so much, you have your pros and cons. But what I like to think of is if I buy it now, it might sell four months from now. And if I wait four months and buy that, like it's just this big cycle that just keeps rolling. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess that's to answer your question, like sourcing. There's a couple big resellers that I'm pretty close to uh, and they're in the same market as I am. Uh, but we both seem to, or all three of us seem to do pretty good. So, and it depends. Everybody's a little different too. Um, don't get FOMO on buying something. And what I mean by that is I was in a, I was in a Converse store and um, there was these like little baby Converse's and they were just so cheap that I couldn't say no, there wasn't <laughs> nice. a lot of comps, but if you're going to spend $3 on a pair of baby shoes, like I'm all in, like, I don't know. I just like the, I like some <laughs> of the products. Right. But I, I started just grabbing them and all of a sudden this lady comes over and starts grabbing them by the handful. Oh gosh! And she didn't look them up. She doesn't know anything about them, but she saw me grab them. So don't get FOMO, man. Don't get the fear of missing out. Like just because somebody's buying something does not mean you need to buy it too. Yeah, I can so, almost see that as a strategy though that you could use. Like if there's a potential competition in a store, grab <laughs> yeah. something that's not profitable and then start loading your cart up, let them get it and then put yours back. And then be like, well, that that's person's true. not going to be in the business long. <laughs> But you do bring up a great point. I've seen that happen so many times and because yeah. there's something about us in human nature. Like we see something, somebody gets something and we're automatically going, I want that because that's probably you yeah. know, valuable. But I, especially with Nike, I see that a lot. Like I'll go to outlets and I see people loading up their carts and I'm like, what are you loading up? Like I've researched What are you that. buying? Like what are you, yeah, what are you, I mean, are you looking for $3 profit? Like what, what's the deal here? Yeah. So, okay. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit. So this is, so I understand the Nike retail arbitrage game. Like I get it. Uh, it and what I love what you said is you, you got to find your passion. Like if it's hard to be in this reselling thing, if you're just buying only what's profitable, it also has to be something yeah. you enjoy, but yep. okay. So the Nike shoe drops, do you, how, how often do, cause I look at that and to me, it's like, I don't ever know if I'll ever be able to, I tried the Supreme drop at one time. And, yeah. you know, unless you know about bots and how to get slots and all that, like, mm -hmm. I think you're out. So how much are shoe drops part of what you do? Or is that just kind of like, hey, I um, want to check it out? 
No, it's, um, I try for a lot. Uh, I've been lucky on some of the very profitable items, um, but it's hit or miss, man. It's unbelievable. It's a completely different game. Um, another reason why we bought list, well, I bought listing phones is because you have to have a phone to do it, uh, or I guess you could try it on the computer, but they track the IP. So it's really confusing, but I'll have like four or five buddies over and everybody will have a phone. And then some people will have two phones and literally when it drops, you try to check out and I'm just passing out credit cards, like, like they're candy because everybody has one and they're going to enter the last three on the back, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's the thrill of the hunt, man. It's like the Travis Scott's it's like, I still have them. I, I didn't sell them. Um, I think the market, I think the price is only going to go up, but it's like 200, $300 profit instantly. And wow. I might be low balling it. It's just, if you get a, if you get a smaller size, you could make almost a thousand dollars. Wow. Um, so I had eight people trying and we got one pair. Wow. So it's like, it's crazy. It's, it's the thrill of the hunt and, um, it's a lot of fun, but here's the thing. If you get the shoe and you don't like it or it's not profitable, you can return it. You have huh. the, you have that choice. You always feel and like guilt I'll, though. Do you feel guilt when you return it or you're, you're just used to doing it? So, some people do. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I'll say this. I haven't, I think I had to return one thing that I got off a, um, like one of those drops kind of thing. Um, there are three shoes that are kind of expensive that they're not doing well. I will gladly return them. It's a game. I don't feel bad. Um, now I don't want to bring in like 15 or 20 pairs, but I'll get away with one or two every other visit. You know, if I have to return more, whatever, but I buy so much that, I mean, they don't care. Um, but I, I have seen resellers try to return like 20. If you want to make somebody mad, I encourage you to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Talk to me about networking oh, a little bit since you're sharing that. So do you have, have you established strong relationships with multiple? I mean, I think it's a given, but how, how do you go about networking? Mm-hmm. Because what my experience is, I'm just sharing with here. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> like people aren't the big, at least yeah. around here in San Diego. I think it's just because a lot of resellers may, I hope I'm not saying anything that gets us in trouble, but some resellers may have, kind of, you know, cause some, you know, break in relationships with Nike uh, managers. Uh, but do you find it, it's, it's essential and how do you go about it? So every, I'll say this, every store is different. Okay. Um, certain stores have different kind of cultures and you may not feel comfortable, like maybe not comfortable is the word, but some stores aren't the same as others. And you're going to like employees at one store and you're not going to like employees at the other. Um, they're going to have different rules. Every store has different rules. They're supposed to have the same ones, but they always get interpreted the wrong way. Um, I think, I think me being young helps. I think that makes it more relatable. Um, they add me on social media. Um, then some of the managers add me on Facebook. It's been interesting, man. Uh, but I, I just, I enjoy talking to people and I get in trouble for my girlfriend because I'm in there talking too much rather than buying. And, um, I just like some of the guys, man. And and some of the girls that work there, they're just, I can relate to them. And 
we could talk for an hour. <laughs> so I don't know, but I guess that helps me out. You know, I guess it really does, but I really do care about the individual. And, um, I ask how they're doing. Like, I really want to know because there's a difference when you ask somebody how they're doing and you really don't care. You're just trying small talk, but I really want to know. So I don't know. It's just the type of person, but don't be discouraged. Like I said, some stores are just not the same. Um, one of the stores, dude, the managers hate me. I don't know why they must think I'm some rich kid or some kid from privilege that just comes in there thinking he can buy whatever he wants. I have no idea, but I don't know. It is what it is. Um, that's a nice Hopefully guy. Though. You can... if, if somebody doesn't like you, man, they got problems. That's all I can say. Yeah. But I mean, I could see, I could see why that, I mean, that, that could be the perception, right? Like you come in, you're dropping tons of money yeah. on shoes. But again, like th- that's, they're not seeing not just your backstory, right? Because that's a part that, you know, you obviously share and you're not, you're not ashamed of. Uh, but there's so much to you that's gotten you to where you're at, right? It's not like you said, it's not coming from a place of, You've got this privilege. You're just coming in and buying stuff, but you're buying stuff to make it work. Like you're out there hustling yeah. and that's why you're going in there. And, 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 you know, perception is a big deal. Do you ever, how do you feel that, that your story, kind of your, your backstory has maybe helped you in the networking or even just, um, with reaching out to people on Instagram? Cause you know, you've got to be an inspiration to tons and tons of people. Um, I, I'd hope so. Um, I don't know. I, I always, I think the advice I think there is, it's like whatever you've been through, you should always talk about it. And it's not to say it so you feel bad for me. That's not it, right? But it's to help somebody that went through the same thing or is going through the same thing. And that's how you truly solve problems. It's talking about it, letting somebody know, and then they say, oh yeah, I did that too. And this is how I got through it. So I think uh, vocalization, man, is probably the key Um, in in all problems, really. I mean, even in reselling, right? You have a problem with a return or whatever. and Some guy randomly DMs you and says, oh, yeah, I did that. And this is how I got around it or whatever. It's like, oh, thanks, man. Um, So I don't know. My story is it is what it is, man. You just have to embrace it. And everybody's is different. You know, if somebody didn't come from that background, it doesn't make them less significant. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I try not to just tell them uh, right off the bat, right? Usually they, somebody tells them or whatever, but I'm just a normal guy. And, and that's, I don't know. That's how I see it. Yeah. Some will see you as a bulk buyer though. Yeah. Some will see you as just a regular guy. So. Yeah. And, and you're obviously, and, and I hate to put you on the spot like that because you're a humble guy and we're basically saying like, Hey, tell us, tell us how great you are. But I mean, you're, you're clearly a humble guy and, and, and it's, it, it shows, like it shows. Um, I always like to ask this question. I think I'm really interested to see what you would say here. Um, I am as a teacher, I get to, you know, kind of, I, my goal is to inspire students, right? Like I don't really, I care about mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, but not that much, right? Like what I really care about is watching yeah. students grow and change and, and, and learn something that's going to affect yeah. their life. And so what is something you would say, like, is one of the number one pieces of advice that you can give somebody? Like maybe it's a young kid like you growing up, or maybe it's, you know, somebody in their thirties and forties and they're trying to figure out life. Like what's the one or two pieces of advice that, that you would give if you could. So my number one thing is this, it's um, basically you get what you focus on. So you have to ask yourself, what are you focusing on? Um, For instance, uh, my buddy, he lives in a town and uh, 
one day he says, Matt, I hate, I hate where I live, man. I hate my neighborhood. This town's going down. Like he just comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, like relax, relax. Like, you know, and he's, you know, this town's gotten worse, crimes up. Uh, I feel like it's more, you know, trashy or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, dude, take it easy, man. Relax. He said, uh, he said, man, I'm just getting tired. He's like, I, I just, I just need to move. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I said, your neighborhood's great. Like your house is nice. Like I'll switch places with you. Like, I like your house. It's a good place. The city's fine. I'm like, what are you talking about? So after that conversation for the next two months, every time I drove through that city, I started to see what he was talking about. I started to see people walking with, you know, cases of beer and just, you know, crimes going up, uh, whatever, all kinds of stuff on the news and break-ins in the neighborhood. And I started thinking, man, like he's right. But the moral of the story is you get what you focus on. If you want to see the bad, you will see the bad. If you want to see the good, you'll find it. So it's the same thing with like somebody buys a car or you're, you're shopping for a car, right? And you're like, oh, this is a Ford Taurus. Oh, this is kind of cool. Or I don't like that car. But once you see that now, every day on the road, you're going to be like, oh, Ford Taurus right there. Mm-hmm. Like something that you've never noticed before starts to become visible. Tesla is another example. Oh, there's a Tesla right there. Mm-hmm. Like you just start seeing things because that's what you're focused on. Yeah. So you get what you focus on. Oh, that's great. That's good. All right. So I have a few more questions. Uh, we, some of these are totally not reselling related. Actually, one of them. And I, I just I wanted okay. to ask it because you shared on an Instagram story and I wanted to get the background because I'm a, I'm a lot like you. Like if I see somebody that I want to meet and say hi to, like I don't care how awkward it gets, I'm going to make it happen because it might not happen again. <laughs> right. So. Right. <laughs> You had you had the opportunity to run across Dave Chappelle because I guess he's in the same geographic region as you. So tell me that tell me that <laughs> yeah. story and what went down. So in our town, he lives in the next town over, and it's a quiet town. He'll talk about it in his stand-ups and stuff. And so I'm coaching track and I do that in my pastime, um, in my downtime. Um, and so I'm coaching last year and we're running and his son's running. And I'm like, huh, that's Dave Chappelle's son, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So we go to their home track meet, you know, and I'm sitting in the stands. All of a sudden, I'm just, I look over, I'm like, that's Dave Chappelle. <laughs> he's wearing, he's wearing a wife beater. He, he's pretty buff. I mean, I'll say that. I mean, dude's pretty jacked. And I'm like, no way, that's Dave Chappelle. So he, <laughs> <laughs> this sounds creepy. He gets up and he goes, well, he gets up and leaves. And I'm like, oh, like I tried to, you know, I tried to take a picture, you know, I guess I was being a, a fanboy, but I really like love his stand up. I'm a really big so fan. So did you walk and, up next uh, to him? Is that what happened? Like, <laughs> so with, I'm like, like did you have I'm your like, phone like, in oh. hand and you just like crept up on him or was it like you asked him? Well, so like the students are down in the field and they're like taking pictures when he was like right in front of me. Okay. But he gets up and leaves, like I said, and then I'm like, oh, maybe he left, you know? So five, 10 minutes go by, I get up, I'm walking to the concession. He's right in front of me. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, Dave. And he turns around and he goes, yes. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that was a pretty good Dave said, Chappelle uh, impersonation right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, I said, hey, Mr. Chappelle. I'm like, uh, you care if I get a picture with you? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I'm like, no. And he like, he put his hand up. I'm like, he said, I don't do that here. He said, this is not Hollywood. I'm like, I'm like, it's just a, it's just a picture, man. Like, no, <laughs> like, no, I don't do that here. I'm like, so that was it, man. <laughs> I got, I got rejected. I rejected by Dave, man. But here's the thing, like in our town, like people get pictures with them all the time. Mm. It's not like in California, that would probably be really cool to put on Instagram. But for here, it's like, oh, it's Dave Chappelle, man. Like we see him all the time. Yeah. Um, but to another real snippet to that is uh, he works out at LA Fitness. So he drives like some Audi, whatever, like a really expensive car. Don't say and, too much. I don't know if he wants this all out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, His license plate number is. But yeah, uh, he, he <laughs> I, I don't work out there. I've just I've just heard. But um, yeah, you know, he he just works out there and no one really bugs him. Uh, but to end on that, uh, I'll say that a house just went up for sale in that city. It's eleven million dollars. That's, that's I don't know if it's his. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's his, but probably. Um, you should probably look it up. It's crazy. It's yeah. it's a insane. Eleven million dollars. Well, that's to crazy. you guys, that's probably nothing in California. Yeah, that, well, it's probably like a, a, a condo, you know, three thousand square foot home, right? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: what oh. you did is you applied what we talked about in our level up review book with Tim Ferriss about. You know, be willing to take a no. Yeah. Right. Seek the no. Yeah. Seek the no. Just and you ask. you went after the no and you got the no, unfortunately. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I got the no, all right. Okay. So all right. So I just needed to ask uh, oh, well. that question. Just you know, I thought it was a great story. All right. So I wanted to ask you, okay, can you share with us some of your biggest scores that you're willing to share? And then some of your failures, like your biggest failures, if you want to share. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think the mistakes are probably more important. Um, but I ran into, man, Nike will do, they'll drop some like shoes at certain outlets just randomly. It's completely random. Uh, most recently, they dropped these Fruity Pebbles, uh, Kyrie's. Oh, yeah. And those. they were 99 bucks, um, which is below retail. And they, they sold out, which is weird. I have no idea. But I know they got shipped to Nike. It was not a return. Um, and I think I, it was 30% off. So I got them for like 70 bucks and one sold for three forty. Um, wow. So it was just like, whoa. Um, some of the other bigger ones are, I found uh, a McDonald's All-American jacket at a thrift store in my earlier uh, career, I guess. Um, and I literally, <laughs> You're not that literally old, bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Your earlier I feel career. like I'm old, man. I feel like I'm old. Um, I'm 25, but I feel like I'm 35, man. Uh, seeing all these young kids hustling, but um, it I is bought pretty, this. It I bought this crazy. jacket. Yeah, it it is. It's crazy to see these 16 year olds, these high school hustlers, man. Mm -hmm. It's it's impressive. But I bought this jacket, and it was literally 50 cents because usually, like stuff with that's embroidered or has a logo on it that they don't know of. They mark it down, you know, really cheap. So it was 50 cents and like 25% off or something. And <laughs> I did some research on it and I forget the draft pick, but whoever it was, was drafted number five overall. And um, it ended up selling. It took like six months to sell, 
but it sold for like 80 bucks or something. Wow. And it was just like, yes, you nice. know, especially at like 19 or whatever. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, those are the kind uh, of sales that keep you going. Oh yeah. It's like, it's what I like to see. So it's like when you guys post that kind of stuff, I love it, man. It's, it's freaking awesome. It's a home run hit is what yeah. it is. No, you love the so, home runs. All right. Um, what about your failures, Matt? Doom, doom, failures. Doom. This is a good one. Um, I think last year. So one thing to all the Amazon sellers is they send you your uh, W-2 or whatever, right? So it has all your revenue and everything else. They don't put the returns on there. You have to dig that yourself. You have to figure it out and call support and whatever to find your return numbers and how many returns you had. Um, <clears throat> last year, I looked at the numbers and I had like $70,000 in returns. And I was like, what? Um, and I was like, holy crap. Like, I think a lot of people sell things and they think they're making money, but <clears throat> Some of the settings, like I had automated returns on, um, I didn't even get a notification. So it's just like out of nowhere, we're talking 70 grand in returns. Wow. Like, so, um, yeah, it was probably the biggest mistake, um, I've had, but what do the, you got to find the solution to it. What are we going to do differently? Mm. You know, how, how are we going to fix that? Um, what settings do I need to put on there so we can get that number down? Um, StockX, Go, Macari, Poshmark, no returns. And so this year has been a great year. But looking back to last year, I'm like, whoa. So yeah, I encourage all resellers, dude, look at your return numbers, um, figure them out, see what fees it costs, because it's going to cost you on a return. Especially with shoes. A lot of people forget that. Yeah, shoes. There's an extra fee on shoes on Amazon when they get returned. And it's, uh, I, so, and Amazon, there really is nothing you could do. I mean, it's, it no. is what it is. Yep. And I hate it. Every, I mean, everybody hates it, but uh, it's, it's a headache. And you have to think about that. Like to all the new sellers, it's like, you need to think about that when you're buying a shoe, especially the Amazon sellers. If you're trying to make 10 bucks, you're probably going to lose because it's probably going to be returned once. Mm-hmm. And that $10 profit is now maybe negative or you you might make a dollar or two. Mm. So it just depends, man. Um, Don't buy a lot of shoes that you're going to only make a couple bucks on. That's probably the moral of the story. All right. So let me ask a question because this is something I always, I I get some DMs about this because I, I claim that Amazon FBA is just as much work as eBay, right? Because you're still, unless you go through a prep center, right? And I don't know if you've gone through a prep center, would you agree with that? Because the margins that you get on Amazon aren't the same as eBay. So to me, no. it kind of balances out. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think I think FBA is more work than uh, eBay. Really? Why do you I say mean, that? I mean, you got a source for both, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't really count that. To list it on, I can list it faster on eBay than I can. Well, to ship it and prep it. And yeah, there's no way. Amazon is way, it's way much more work. But at the end of the day, you're storing the product. Yeah. So that's your negative. No, um, okay. I don't know. And then the nice thing about Poshmark or something, if you buy all the sizes of a shoe, it's like it takes <clears throat> two minutes to list every single one of them. You know, you can do it in one listing. So, 
Now with I mean, I know Poshmark, it's not eBay, but with Poshmark for you with the the shoes, is it the same curse with Poshmark with having to share like crazy? Or are you just kind of like they're looking for my product? I don't need to share closets. You gotta share, man. You gotta share. Um it's a pain in the butt, but um if you just share once a day, you'll be okay. So now do you find that the you get is the velocity of sales on Posh the same as on eBay or is eBay still kind of the juggernaut when it comes to Nike shoes? Uh, it's, it's hit or miss sometimes. Sometimes it'll just be booming. Um, we had like 25 orders on Posh on one weekend and I was shocked, but it was more back to school. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is what a lot of people don't know is like, well, you think it's a predominantly, you know, female platform. And I'm selling a lot of men's shoes and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why, why am I selling so many men's shoes? So I started reading my comments and they would, it would be like wives buying for their son or their husband or thanks. My boyfriend loved the shoes. It's just like, huh. So I think like, that's what they got good going good for them is, you know, females do a lot of the shopping in the house. Yeah. So if you can get the mom to buy, then you're doing, you know, you'll get some sales. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. So where's Matt Klein going to be five years from now? What is your, what's your five year plan? <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a, it's probably the only question I don't know the answer to. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like just with the Gatorades, when I got to cash out of the $1,700 um, or whatever, like I took that and then I moved to something else, which was, um, ultimately like thrift store clothes and then to shoes. So I have no clue, but I'm going to build it as high as I can and, um, sell as much as possible. But I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know where we're going to be. Uh, it's a question. It's a question that I always think about, man, because we have an air force base right next to us. Um, you can be a contractor. Mm. It's not, sexy per se as selling shoes or Nikes. Right. But it's 42,000 a year. You're employed by the government. Um, and then every year you get a pay raise and you get after your third year or fourth year at 70,000. Um, it's just like, what should we do here? You know? So I always think about that in the back of my mind because it could be a pretty easy job and you could take home 70 grand and they pay for your master's. Or you keep reselling. So, but I think to answer your question is I've debated that and uh, I just want to see how big we can get. And I want to see how much inventory we can buy. I want to see how right. high I can climb and um, how much we can get the bank account to and just see where we're at. Because I feel like one day it's going to stop. And that's what I'm kind of scared for. Um, I, I, like I tell my Nike manager, I'm like, look, man. Cause he always says, Oh, you're 25, man. You're doing so good. Da, da, da. And I'm just like, yeah, I said, but I don't know when the cow is going to be out of milk. Mm. So I'm just milking until, until they tell me I can't. So nice. I don't know. So are you're not, you're not in a warehouse, right? Everything is <clears throat> operated out of your home. Is that how it is right now? Yep. Okay. Yep. Everything's operated out of the home. We have a 900 square foot room. Um, and it's filled with shoes, man. <laughs> oh, um, we also built, uh, racks to hold the clothes. Um, I think you'll see a lot of people mm -hmm. with like PVC racks. There's nothing wrong with them. 
Um, but I chose Unistrut, which is like a metal. Um, and they're on a rolling rack. So it's a system you roll, uh, and all the clothes are hung on there. So it's interesting, but I'd like to only get down to two racks instead of four. They're like, um, seven foot wide and 20, 20 foot long, maybe. Um, but right now, I'm uh, currently under contract on a new house. Um, it's got a pretty big basement, um, three and a half car detached garage, and then a one car garage. So uh, attached to the house. So I'm really excited to, uh, to move into a different space. Uh, it's in a nicer neighborhood as well. I know Orlando's seen people have stolen packages off my porch yep. multiple That's times. Right. <laughs> uh. Little kids, man. Um, but you're good so, to them. You go back and, you know, you give them a, you know, this could change your life moment speech. And yeah. uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I kind of got to scare them a little bit, but I, I just believe in second chances and uh, they haven't struck again. So I think I think it worked. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> so. All right. So with all that said, so talk to me about what are your thoughts? You're talking about, you know, there not being there being a day when everything that we're enjoying right now. Cause I will tell you right now, I was talking to somebody today, you know, especially I think about like all the hype stuff, all the shoe drops, like if the economy tanks, yeah. I think all that's going to go away. I think we're going to get back to the, I mean, there'll be wealthy people, right. But it's yeah. not going to be the same as it is now where now you can, you know, you get a Supreme drop, you get a Nike drop, you can flip it within five minutes for several hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah. I do believe there's a day coming when that's all going to go away. And then it's going to be like, all right, what do you have that people need that you can give them yeah. at a cheaper price? But I want to hear mm. your thoughts. What are your thoughts on the current state of reselling and where it's going? I think uh, I think it's a very interesting question. Um, I think garage sales and like maybe thrift stores, I think that'll always be there. I see a lot of thrift stores like uh, moving to online auctions and stuff like that. But um it's an interesting subject on like the hype stuff. You're right. Um, if the economy tanks, I have no idea. I think, I think it'll be pretty challenging. Um, but I feel like there's been a big debate the past two or three years actually is Nike did not sell on Amazon and now they do only certain products. But if we are middlemanning them and making money, and there's so many of us that we're probably taking a pretty large chunk. One day it's just got to switch, right? Like, wouldn't you think that mm. Nike cuts it off? And it's, I think for uh, like for us, Nike resellers in general, it's always adapting to the new rules. Mm. And for me, like you said, Orlando in school, I think that's the number one thing I learned is this professor teaches this way do this and you will be successful on his test. But the other does not work that way. And he'll basically in the review, it'll be the test. You just need to know it. So it's the same here. Like understand the system, find out, you know, what you can and can't do. Um, Nike started, they no longer took gift cards uh, on a tax exempt purchase. That's been the newest people are mad. Like I was getting gift cards, 8% off, you know, sometimes 10, that's huge. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do now? Um, back in the day, it used to be, I remember walking into Nike and this lady was buying 500 pairs of shoes just by herself. Wow. And then they changed to 10 per person. Mm -hmm. 
And now they change it to 10 per person per style, $5,000 limit. So what changes, what if next week they say you can only buy 10 pairs of shoes in my store, period? Mm. Like, what are people going to do? I don't know. So I'm buying as much as I can now because I don't know <laughs> what it's going to be like. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but, but sorry, to, to, to re-answer your question is I think reselling will always be there, but maybe not in the retail arbitrage side. Mm. Or it'll be less than it used to be kind mm. of thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, you know, you know, me, I dip myself into retail arbitrage and the thrift game and the vintage game. But mm. I think all across, I think we're all going to have to adapt. I think you hit it right there yeah. where it's it's adapting. And no matter if you're doing Amazon, eBay, Posh, selling, you know, sneaker drops or selling, you know, old shoes that you find at the thrift store, it's all about adapting. So, yep. Matt, right. Matt, you you have so much knowledge for you're not a young 25-year-old. You're an old 25-year-old soul, okay? <laughs> You've got so, experience. You've got, yeah. uh, you got knowledge. Well, you got you wisdom. Guys. Yeah, you're, you're amazing, man. So, hey. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed you in uh, the eBay Open. So, oh, I'd like to offer ahead. both of you guys. Uh, I'll pay for your dinner. We can get like a reseller thing or yeah. whatever. Uh, but I owe you guys dinner, man. You don't owe so. us anything. But we'll still, we'll still take you up on it because <laughs> it'll be fun. No, I mean, we, you know, one of the best things is is meeting with other resellers and because you have that commonality and, you know, just sharing. Mm -hmm. And even this podcast, this doesn't feel like it's an interview. It's just we're just having a conversation, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I've had a great conversation with That's you awesome. guys. So, Seriously. Thank so you. It's been awesome. Thanks for being on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have you back on again, yeah. you know, in, in the future and see where things are by then. And maybe, Sweet. you know, Matt Klein has a, you know, 3000 square foot warehouse and, yeah. and he's the, he, you know, he, he owns that area, but oh, you know, he owns the Nike store there, you know, who knows? <laughs> no, no. so we'll see, but, uh, Hey, yeah, Matt, I wish. thanks so much for being on. Really appreciate you. Thank and, you guys. Uh, no you, you shared so much knowledge. You shared more than we expected, and we've learned a lot. So appreciate you coming on. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.